you don't live the life, you don't set the goals so you can get the goals. The idea of setting goals is to set yourself into a direction. That's the only purpose of goal. For the matter, it's always better to put a goal ahead of you that feels a little bit impossible. Like there's a 50% chance that you'll actually get it. And the reason for that is because it will make you something that would be so much more interesting than the goal itself. Welcome to the New Age Sage podcast, where you come to free your mind from all the things that keep you in suffering. Today's guest is Ajit Nawalka. We go deep into manifestation. You're gonna love it. Please like and subscribe. Thank you. Ajit, welcome on the show. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I wanted to start with the power of coaching to help people mm-hmm. and how it can differentiate from therapy specifically. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can go into like how coaching can help people and why it's different to therapy. It's, it's completely different. So if you, if you were to, so coaching and therapy are two completely different frames of approaching life. Sometimes they can overlap, but often they don't. And here is the easiest way to understand. See, we are often told, uh, you know, if you, you have to heal your past to be mm-hmm. able to move into the future, right? And there is that essence of healing. That it, actually, let me reframe that to make it easier to understand. So both the streams, therapy or coaching, both of them come from philosophical understanding or philosophical approach of life, mm-hmm. right? One of the philosophies of life is to say, your past is something that has defined you. You must heal it for you to be able to move forward. That's therapy for you, to say you must heal it for you to be able to move forward. Coaching takes a different philosophical approach. It says your past has defined you, and you don't need to necessarily heal it because the control that is of life is only in now. Mm-hmm. So if today you decide, irrespective of what your past was, if today you decide you're going to be different, mm-hmm. you're going to start to be different. Yeah. Your past does not have to heal you, or your past does not have to be healed. Your past has to be understood, reflected on, grab whatever learning there is, yeah. and then just move forward. So coaching is more of present to future, yeah. whereas therapy leans into past to present to potentially future. Actually, therapy never covers the future. Most mm-hmm. of the time, I've rarely heard a therapist talk about how future is going to be yeah. like or project into the future. They usually go past to present, and coaching is present to future. So there's a huge distinction. Why is focusing on the future so important? Focusing, I think the focus in the present is most important. Okay. It's not about focusing on the future. Okay. Uh, so here is here is the argument pro and against therapy, right? Mm-hmm. So therapy is very, very important for an individual if they are, they've had a traumatic experience in their life. They've had an experience that was cathartic, was really heartbroken. It potentially involved abuse of some kind. That is an experience that you need to process, mm-hmm. right? And that, that experience requires therapy. You yeah. need to see someone. There might be a mental imbalance, a chemical imbalance in your mind. For that reason, you need to see therapy. But most of the time, therapy is not effective for individuals where the past wasn't that traumatic. Or even if it was trauma, it was trauma that may be considered traumatic for the person, of course. But it's not something that necessarily affects their beingness. Mm-hmm. It is something that is running in the back of their mind, but it's not affecting their possibilities or affecting their present even that much. They may have some behaviors because of it, but they can change that behavior simply by changing their present. They yeah. don't actually have to heal their past, so to say. For the matter, healing the past in itself it depends on how you look at the word and the meaning of the word. There is no healing of the past. There's no way that your past wounds are going to go away. Yeah. 
that would be creating indifference to your past is the only way or ignoring your past is the only way that you feel your wounds are gone away. They're not. They're always going to be there with you. What you're really learning to live a more fulfilled present life and hopefully a, pre a more present and fulfilled future is learning how to live with it, how mm -hmm. to channel it. So yeah. it's the same wounds. It's the same pains. Yeah. You're not hoping that one day that scar is going to go away. You're simply saying, I know that scar is there yeah. and I know how to work with it. That's super important. How how have you channeled your deepest wounds? So, so that's why I also say coaching, I think, is, is applicable to 95% of the world's population and uh -huh. 5% maybe needs to go to therapy. And that's because my deepest wounds are really deep to me. But if you switch the perspective, you'll suddenly go, that's not that that terrible. Yeah. Uh, so my deepest wounds come from my, a lot of events that happened in my childhood where uh, I, I grew up in, in a family of 23. So we, wow. we had, uh, you know, my cousins living in the same house. My grandparents were in the same house. So one way of looking at it was a full family. Another way of looking at it, it was 23 people sharing yeah. the same space. There's a lot of people, yeah. right? <laughs> and, and so for me, that became... The reflection I took for me was I need to get out of this. Like, I don't want to live with 23 people. I want my space. I want uh, to be abundant enough that we can have a house, that I don't have to uh, confine myself to a room that also is shared with my brother. You yeah. know, like, it was very humble beginnings. And that became one of the biggest stories for the early part of my life, where I became uh, so obsessed with saying I need to get out of this situation that I became driven to be an entrepreneur pretty early on in my life. Yeah. Even if I had jobs, I was entrepreneurial in my job. I would switch my roles pretty f frequently, pretty quickly, and would progress really fast in pretty much any career I chose because I needed to get ahead. So that was my first wound and my biggest wound that I carried for the longest time. Then there were other things that happened in my life that were for example, I felt through my entire life uh, that my parents didn't love me, specifically mm -hmm. my mother. I had, a, I had a big trigger point around it, which I was able to heal in time or, or process in time or be able to challenge in time. I, I also had a big trigger towards, uh, towards relationships because I, I had yeah. a very cathartic relationship or a relationship that mm -hmm. felt cathartic to me. Uh, my first relationship that was, I had, I had triggers around being an entrepreneur, being a personality, had its own set of challenges because yeah. they were all just layered up in there, about, layered up on top of each other as life progressed, like all of us do. Yeah. Uh, and so they were all there and they're all there still, but I've just learned how to channel them and process them differently. Yeah, I'm curious about that specific part of channeling. Like how mm -hmm. did you take those triggers, that wounding, mm -hmm. and alchemize into something that benefited your life. Mm -hmm. What was that process like? And can you give me an example of one of those yeah. points that you channeled? Yeah. So, so there were different events have been processed in different ways. So let me give you two examples okay. so you can see, because there's no one tool that fits all. Yep. And that's the beauty of coaching, that you can actually play with the tools based on what's happening for the person and work with that instead of saying, here's a default tool and you always use. Yep. So the first tool I want to share with you is, say, for the biggest record that I had which is money, mm -hmm. right? So money was a big issue in my life because of where I came from. And the way I processed it was to be able to understand the meaning of money. What does money do for me, right? And to really elaborate and write it down by processing as to why is it that I desire money? And the more I reflected on it, studied on it, and coached myself through it by deeply questioning the purpose of money, mm -hmm. deeply questioning what does it do? So if I do have money, what will I do with it? right? Yeah. Created a sense of clarity, a sense of focus of how little did money actually matter. And the funny thing that happened because of that is the little, the more, the lesser money matters to me, the easier it is for me to make. 
it's a funny coincidence that has happened. I observed it as a outside. It's it's a coincidence, and I feel that that has to energetically. I don't know how far we go metaphysically here. Super far. Oh, okay, extreme. Cool, fine. So I was like, <laughs> I don't know where the line is. I don't want to woo woo your audience and go, oh, dude. What, what the heck as is crazy as you can. Oh, okay, cool. So so I think money has energy. It, sure. it it is a field of its own, and I believe that like all energies, it is directional, and it's focused. And it's also transient in the sense of that it doesn't want you. It's it's it has its own freedom, if I may call it that. Mm-hmm. Right? What does that mean? Or how does that show up? Is that money? If you say I want to, if let's say somebody is wanting to manifest money in their life, and they go, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars, or say a million dollars, right? But next day we wake up, they go, No, I want to make two million dollars. To me, energy gets the energy of money gets confused. Energy of money goes, You want a million or you want two? What the fuck do you really want, right? And because energy of money gets confused, it loses direction and it doesn't chase either because it says you got to first get clear what you want, right? At the same point of time, it has its own sense of freedom. So it needs to create what you desire, but it's it's an own path. Mm-hmm. It cannot You cannot define the path for it. You can define the direction of it, but you can't define the path of it. What does that mean? So say, for example, if somebody says, I want to make a million dollars, and let's say that's the focus of money, that's the direction of money you want money to experience in a life, money will go, okay, to get you from $1,000 to a million dollars, I need to first help you find the right partner. Mm -hmm. And then I need to find you the right business partner. Then we need to build some skills, and so I'm going to give you some difficulties. But it's got to find that path. If you try to get needy about money, or you start to go, oh, I need this right now, or I need to put a timeline on it, or I need to, I need this today. What happens is money says, you're being too needy. You're not letting me develop the system that will actually have you have the money. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel happens. The more sus- suspended you are to money or the desire, you have desire of money, but not need of money, where you don't like hold on to it saying, oh, I need to make more, need make more. Instead of that, you simply say, that's what I would like to have. And now let's dance. Yeah. Let's create what needs to create. Let's listen to intuition. Let's flow with the energy of money. What tends to happen is now you've taken away all those blockers that you were putting in the path of money by saying, oh, no, but this is going to be my partner. No, no, no. Let the money decide who will be a business partner. It will intuitively come to you. Don't force your friends to become your business partners. Let your business partners show up for you or life partner yeah. or the right kind of product, the right kind of challenge yeah. that you need to overcome for money to really manifest itself, the right kind of product that you need to develop. The challenge that happens is because we get so attached to the need of it now. Like everybody wants to get rich like today, right? What happens is you may get rich a little bit, but you're not in flow with money, which means you'll lose it as fast. And that's what happens with people. Yeah. What's the way to bypass that need for it now, even if it's not money, if it's because I believe the same philosophy applies to romance, friends, anything you want in your life. How can we, because even I struggle with it, how, how can we bypass that need, the egoistic need to have it now? What's the key in moving away from that and giving space, as you said, to dance? Mm-hmm. So let's let's think about, it's a philosophical question. And I think philosophy is very helpful in understanding life a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't address it enough, and or at least we don't question it enough to find what is our philosophy of life, right? So my curiosity has always stayed with, what is the philosophy of life, right? What is the philosophy of life? If, say, you were to say, Lucas lived a fantastic life. What did life that like look, life look like? My answer? Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you think? I, I believe in a kind of loving nihilism, which is to me, it's that nothing really matters but love. It mm-hmm. sounds it sounds cliche, but I always try mm-hmm. and try and come back to that in my in my own mind. Like how how close am I to love? 
in each mm-hmm. moment I can be in. Mm-hmm. That's why I come back. Which to is it. beautiful, and yeah. you're very close to the truth for me as well. Yeah. But what does that mean? What does that look like in life? Like, what's how does love look like to you moment to moment, day to day? Does the sensation of it? Love, like just <laughs> however that is that shows up for you. You want to say sensation wise. You want to say how you show up in the world. How well, the world shows up It's a reflection of internal and external, right? The level at which I can feel it internally which is a sensation of just like surrender and acceptance to where i am and making joy out of whatever is ex- happening in my life and then the more i get into there the more it'll show up in my in my life in terms of like accepting good friends accepting good good lovers accepting you know things that are meant to be where i'm at in, inside in a way beautiful right so that's your philosophy of life yeah right if you want to live philosophically in alignment of your life where did money show up in that entire statement you said nowhere right yeah. Because money or anything that you want in life is not about this place you get to. Yeah. It's the place that you live from. But the clarity of that philosophy will tell you the place you need to live from. right? And when you'll find that place to live from, even the way that you defined how you would want to live from, from the current understanding of the world that you have, none of that is not possible for you right now. Mm-hmm. right? But the ego is going to tell you what? Get more money get a better podcast, more downloads. Yeah. But none of that actually fits the philosophy of what is the truth of your life. Yeah. And that's true for all of us. Yeah. We all play this dance of going, yeah, but you know, I need to have the biggest podcast because uh, my friends have a bigger podcast or I need to have the best studio because my friend has the bigger studio or a better studio. I need to have more followers on social media, whatever the heck it is, right? We are telling ourselves these stories because we think life is live in comparison. Or life is lived in these events that happen, which are big moments and big events. And they do create and unlock versions of us and they are valuable. But only as much as that event itself to unlock that version of us. And that's the only purpose of that event. When you make your first million dollars, when you make your first $10 million, you get that check in your bank account. You see that for once. It has unlocked where it needs to unlock. That's the only purpose of that check. Most of us... And most of the rich people feel really lost when they have money. Yeah. And that's why they really get focused on things like, and people go, well, why is this rich person talking about their relationship all the time? Or they're talking about their friendships all the time or feel talk about loneliness all the time. It's because that's what becomes important. Because you have unlocked that version where you've realized that money is just a part of the game. It's not the game. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just for us to unlock a version of us. That's the only purpose of money, that friendship, that scale, that, uh, that you know, whatever hit that is that you're looking for in that moment will give you the high and you can enjoy the high. But the high of life or the joy of life is not in those, those moments. Yeah. It's in this moment. It's yeah. already happening for us now. Yeah. Right. So to me, to me, the way I transitioned from seeking the same hey, I need to make this or I need to get this and I need to get this now, it shifted when I said, what is my philosophy of life? What is it that if I didn't have anything, I would still love? I would still love my life. I would still wake up, be as passionate, as driven, as, as you know, like whatever makes me feel alive, everything is there for me right now. So I am right now, but the the purpose of right now is very different. It's not a materialistic outcome-oriented approach, but a living approach. What is your philosophy of life? My philosophy of life leans into four values, uh, or those are the foundation of everything. And out of that, they are freedom, health, service, and love. These are my four values, of which at the core of it all, to not give you a long spiel on all four, is what I've recognized, and this is a, a recent revelation to me. Before this, I was like, my life is about service and contribution and love. And, and 
a, a more dominant realization, the realization I'm living right now, the realization I have found true to me right now, is in essence exactly what you kind of said, which is love. And the expression of love that I get to have moment to moment. And expression of love not only in expen not in not only in the sense of expressing love to my loved ones, but expressing love as humanity. Mm -hmm. So what is it that I get to express into? Uh, and what is it that I get expressed as? And so what I've also found on the shadow of it, in a way, not necessarily I don't necessarily think it's shadow, but it may be perceived as a shadow is that I am a seeker of love as well, which mm -hmm. means I want to receive love. And that doesn't mean like, again, physical love. It simply means when I, as the love is expressed, if somebody feels connected, I want to also be able to feel that connection, which is which has become more equally important to me. It's like one of those times where I am, um, where I would, if I would feel down and low, I, I now it's not that I don't need to do much. I just have to look up one of the testimonials I might have received or a comment I might have got from a, a listener or somebody who has taken a program with me and some client of mine who might have sent us the story of their transformation. That's all I need because that's a receiving of love for me in a way to say, wow, I could contribute something to somebody's life and I got to express love and I got mm -hmm. to receive love. And I think that's become my dance with life is how how can we super set that day after day every day was it ever hard for you to receive love yeah i would say so and i would say you still it can be hard for me to receive love in different areas of my life so? So it depends um it, it depends so for example if the, this is this is not recent but maybe three years ago i was at an event just give you an example right and i i don't know how i'd respond to that even now but as just to give you an ex experience, three, maybe four years ago, I was at an event, the person who was speaking on stage, a prolific speaker, uh, was just talking about this person that has really transformed their life and their, their coach and so on and so forth. And they were my client. And I was like, wow, whoever this person is must be amazing, right? Uh, because how they were explaining. And then the person goes from stage, is Ajit in the room? And I was shocked because I was like, oh, fuck, this person was talking about me. All this, because I had no idea that they were actually talking about me. They didn't tell me. This was completely unannounced. I was so, it was so hard for me to receive that later I went up to them and I said, please don't do that again. <laughs> right? So it was so hard for me to receive that, that I couldn't accept that somebody could acknowledge that I've been meaningful to their life. Now I live for that shit. <laughs> it's a different thing. Yeah. But, uh, but at that time, it was incredibly hard for me to receive that. And, and, and there are different areas of life that may show up. I'm not always present to it. Uh, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. Like yesterday, I was uh, in, in a small mastermind group that was being hosted, and I found it really difficult to, to express. Because sometimes I kind of, it wasn't that I was sad or anything like that, but I just felt like I don't have anything to say or anything mm -hmm. to share. And everybody else seemed to have something to say or share. And I found that was mostly because I was not wanting to receive the support I might have gotten from the group. Yeah. So I eventually said it, but it was a journey for me internally to go, wow, why am I not sharing what's happening for me or happening, you know, to me in a way? Uh, why am I not sharing? And it took me, like, I was almost the last guy to speak because yeah. I was like, I, I, I don't know if I want to really receive anything here. Yeah. So it shows up and sometimes you find it and sometimes you find it as an after effect. Uh, but I do struggle, yeah, absolutely. Why do you think it's so hard for so many people to receive love? What's like the driving mechanism of that, you think? Or it's difficult to really take in and, and, and feel love. I think it's something we struggle with as human beings, mm -hmm. to really receive it. And my, my take is that 
so many of us are in such desperate need of it mm-hmm. that when we face it, it's almost as if like we feel like it's going to go away so fast. Mm-hmm. If we get it for a second, it's like we we try and hold on to it so much that it becomes like scary that we can, we don't want to lose it. Mm-hmm. We're so used to not being with it, we don't want to lose it. We don't want to lose it. So, what do you think is the the cause of of that? Of, it could be that too. Um, I think there is a possibility that has more to do with us not feeling worthy of it mm-hmm. than actually yeah. actually incapable of receiving it. It has more to do with us. Uh, it's like, you know, and most of the people would do this, right? If somebody says, hey, great t-shirt, instead of just acknowledging receive it, you would go, and great hat, mm-hmm. right? And that's not because it's it's because we feel the t-shirt is not worth the acknowledgement or or whatever that you see what i mean so so the challenge is us because of how we are like society is structured that way yeah. right? it is it's a it's a play of power it, it's the underlying message of everything starting from as you're a child and the parent child relationship to all the way the relationship you might be in in workplace or whatever it's always a power play it may be conscious or unconscious it's not always conscious sometimes it is unconscious it's a play of power it's a play of certainty like we're all seeking some sense of certainty even if it is painful but we want that certainty and we're always in a play of power you know you could be doing this play of power by actually expressing negatively on power or you may be playing power by being the victim you're still in power right so that's because that is the dance of it what happens or what gets crushed in this dance of certainty and power is our self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Gets crushed in in that in that dance is our understanding of self, our understanding of our self-worth. Yeah. And when that gets crushed, it's hard for us to receive anything because we go, oh, I don't deserve that. I shouldn't get it. It shouldn't that shouldn't happen to me. Yeah. Right. So it's it it like you know it's like um, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've done this uh, at, at a point in my life where I would leave extraordinary tips. And I've had many times waitresses or waiters walk out after I've left and go, did you add an extra zero by any chance? It looks like you wrote the wrong number here. Are you mm-hmm. sure that's the tip you want to leave? And it's kind of like a, it's it, it shows how a person feels, even if I definitely <laughs> did not write an extra zero and clearly was an extra zero because I've totaled it all down yeah. so they can see what I'm leaving as a tip. But that's kind of, but that's how we are as yeah. people. We just can't accept it. And what are the, key ways we can develop an internal sense of worthiness where we can mm-hmm. accept and receive love where we can feel worthy of the extra tip where we can feel mm-hmm. worthy of you know let's say you have a post on social media blows up and we can feel like oh you know i deserve that in a way mm-hmm. how can we get there as human beings what are the steps in getting there? there there are two stages that you would find to build self-esteem so one is it's easier to build self-esteem further if you've already got some success Right? Because then it's evidence-based self-esteem. This is this is much more easier to do. It's it's uh, and anybody that is very successful and doesn't like affirmations usually uses this model to de- build their self-esteem first. Yes, it's me. Yeah, right. So self-esteem yeah. e- is easier for you to build because what you have to do is just turn around, look for evidence of how you've been successful until now. Right. right. It's a very pragmatic approach. You don't have to work really hard to build self-esteem till the time you're focused on it and say, I'm going to build my confidence, build my esteem further. Yeah. All you do is keep looking at the evidence that you've already gotten. My from problem is I look back at the evidence. I don't believe it. Ah, let's yeah. talk about that in a second. <laughs> but let me first give yeah. the two, two, two variations, because that's one category of people that can look at their success and find evidence and can believe it. And second group of people is who have no evidence. Yeah. And who are just starting. Yeah. 
And for them, it is a make-believe until there is evidence. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the path eventually will converge to evidence yeah. and go, this is how I'm looking at the evidence. And maybe it's the perception of in, in your context that that is the problem but but or, or a challenge to work with. But the evidence itself usually compounds belief. And so what would happen for somebody who has no evidence just now, like, for example, somebody who's really young or who's even somebody who's older, but, you know, Maybe has had new, a really difficult life. Starting yeah. a new venture or something. Sen starting a new venture, but not really looking at what yeah. they've done in the past and thinking that they're starting from zero. All of that is something that a person would can make up a story and say yeah. they have nothing. And so they have to start with things like affirmations. They have to look in the mirror and say, I'm fucking confident. Yeah. I am good. I can do this, right? And that sounds really silly and stupid to some people, but when you don't have anything, you have to fall back to something and that something can be nothing else but your spirit and your mind. Yeah. Right? You got to go with my spirit says I'm going to go to this. It it's bloody hard. I don't know if I'll be able to do it, but I'm going to tell myself every single day until I make it real. Yeah. Right? It it is real one day. And it does become real one day. And then you have enough evidence by that time to not needing, I am confident, I am powerful, and I'm whatever affirmation you want to do. But it happens irrespective of where you are because you may find that confidence, that belief in, say, work, and then you might struggle in a relationship. You'll still have to go back to affirmations and say, no, I can make this work, right? It's not voo-voo. It's not, it's, you have to tell yourself a better story. Yeah. You have to tell yourself a story that actually will help you move further in the conversation further in your life and not be sabotaged by everything that is around you. Now, let's come to the perspective that you were sharing, which is evidence doesn't convince me. Yeah. Let's call it that. Yeah? yeah. Could you tell me, is that okay with you to, I, to share I'm, a little bit more? Sure. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Tell me more. So mine's kind of where it comes up is my core wound is in, in romance and dating. It's my thing. Like I look mm -hmm. back at, it sounds superficial, but it just is the way it is. I look back at previous partners and, you know, I've done for the average man all very beautiful, amazing, you know, as good as it can get, but I still don't mm -hmm. feel worthy of that, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And that's the example of something, but it could be, mm -hmm. you know, that's my situation, but it could be for other people, like, you know, mm -hmm. I know people, super successful men in the world who don't feel like they deserve to be there. They're like, why mm -hmm. the fuck am I here? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's my experience. Where I'll, I'll look back and, and I can see the results, mm -hmm. and then in the moment, I still won't feel like that person who got those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... So here's my invitation in yeah. that circumstance for you or for anyone who is yeah. in a situation where where you feel like, oh, that evidence is actually not in empowering me or that evidence is not true for me. What happens is evidence or, or our story that we create depends on the events that we have put focus towards, right? So let's say, for example, if there was a successful entrepreneur or somebody who just started a business became successful in the first year, right? They might go, I totally don't deserve the success. The reason is because they took the microscope and they focused on the last one year and they forgot the last 10 before that, right? Yeah. This happens very often in new careers is we think the last one year that I've dedicated to this new career, I became a podcaster right now, right? I've been doing this for six months. There's no reason I should be successful, right? Evidence, because I've only done podcasting for six months. What you forget to bring your microscope or bring your life's perspective towards is that there were six years before that you had a successful business. And podcasting is just a business eventually, right? So your six months actually are not determinant of your success. Your evidence actually sits here, right? Yeah. So when you talk about love, for example, you might have had five bad partners, but did you and your mother had a great love relationship? So you're capable of love. Mm-hmm. 
It's not your capability of love that's yeah. a challenge. You may have had some bad experiences, but that could may as well be because you were getting prepared to find the right kind of partner because yeah. that was your learning experience because maybe that was the journey. And that was where you were getting so attached to love's energy that saying, oh no, love, you need to move at my pace. You need to find me the partner that looks a certain way, acts a certain way. And love's going, bro, like decide. Decide, do you want love or do you want a sexy woman? Yeah. Or, or sexy man or whatever that yeah. is. Yeah. Or do you want love? If you want love, then let's commit to that and let's yeah. decide how the person's going to look by building you yeah. towards it. Why, why is that intention so important? Why, why is, that, is that specific intention so important when it comes to money or love or career? Like, why is setting that intention so important? That, because if we don't set intention, there are two things that happen. First is spiritually, metaphysically. The energy doesn't know where to go. And it, and it constantly changes direction. Here's how I like to put it. Think of universe like a blue-collar worker. It will follow every instruction that you gave it. If you keep changing instruction, what will happen? Let's say you were building the studio, you told me it took an incredible amount of time, but let's say halfway they were making it and you said, you know what? No, I think the, the blue thing that you put all over, uh, let's make it green. Well, it's gonna take extra time, <laughs> right? They're gonna put it down and then put it back up. That's what's happening with universe. So when you're not intentional, energetically, you're just throwing the universe's energy off in different directions and universe is like, all right, I'm gonna start building the thing that you want now, right? So intention helps universe's energy. That's metaphysically. Now, psychologically, what happens for you is when you reorient yourself and you reorient your desires very frequently without truly understanding what is the desire and what are you really chasing, what tends to happen then is psychologically, you start building psychology for it and skills for it, whatever the direction that you have set for, yeah. right? So if you, let's say for example, if you're looking for, I'm gonna give a shallow example, right? So you're a guy, you're looking for some beautiful blonde babe to be your mm -hmm. girlfriend, right? The skills you require to pick up a beautiful blonde girl is different than the skills that you require for a successful woman that it's also spiritual. Yeah. They don't hang out at the same places. Yeah. They don't party at the same places they don't talk in the same way and they're gonna not fall for the same pickup line. Yeah. This one may, and I'm not saying all blonde women are like that, that's not what I mean. This is just a dumb example, sorry to all the blonde women. I completely agree. But, but been, the I've point been, really yeah. is, point really is that they might go to a club in Vegas and wants to see who has bottle service and this person is at a yoga retreat. Yeah. You want, and I'm not saying they're not, both of them are capable of love. It's a different kind of love that you're gonna get. Yeah. Right, and a different expression of love. Neither of them is wrong. It depends on what you want for love. What is your definition of love? How do you feel love? There's nothing wrong with saying partying is all I want to do until I'm 75 and that's the love that I seek. Absolutely. Then go hang out at those places, be with that partner. Trust me, that person's not going to quit on you because you are the best partner that they could have had. Same as with the other person. The reason why you're dissatisfied with a person or a partner is because we chose the wrong partner. Mm -hmm. for what our vibration is, where we actually wanted to go. Yeah. We followed what the standards of the world were, not what our intention was. And that may be the reason why sometimes we end up in wrong places and doing yeah. the wrong kind of jobs and wrong kind of businesses. Yeah. How come, so let's say, let's go back to that analogy of the blueprint for the blue collar worker, which is so powerful. So I want to talk about the concept of time, right? Let's say you have that blueprint, you give it to a builder and mm -hmm. he will say, I don't know how long it's going to take, but it'll get done. The same way the universe, how can we play with that concept of time and being like, this is my intention. Mm -hmm. How can us in this egoistic body and these, you know, weird needs we have, how can we sit with and incorporate how to make use of time? Having faith. Don't, you know what I'm trying to get at? Like, how can yeah. we actually have patience, as I say, mm -hmm. and, and have faith 
that it'll work out and enjoy the actual process rather than being in a state of suffering until we get the thing? Beautiful question. So the way to develop, so there is, there is knowing that all of us have and it's, it's built with practice and practice can be any spiritual practice that one may have. It's the easiest one, most common one is meditation or mindfulness or silence mm-hmm. uh, with our own thoughts. Because what we, when we practice that solace, uh, being able to sit with ourselves uh, for an extended period of time, what happens when you do these kind of activities and, and, and several other activities, like anything that is extremely physically difficult to do is also very spiritual practice. Um, so the more you find and the more time you spend in such spiritual practices, the more understanding you build off the knowing that you have within yourself. So there's a, there's a guided practice that I do with, with clients and our students where I would, and this could be in any state that you're at, once you have calmed yourself down, some simple breathing exercises, we turn you up uh, spiritually by using some breathing practices, we get you to open your heart. And pretty consistently, every single time we do this exercise, in a large group or a small group, we have found that by the end of the exercise, the person has an immense sense of knowing of what's gonna happen for them in the future. Like they have a sense of clarity, they have a sense of direction, they tend to end up meeting with people that they wanted to always say something to, like a grandparent or a parent figure or somebody like that. They tend, they claim they see an entity, they claim they see uh, a being that now is guiding them, right? And all in all, metaphysically, there's many ways to explain it, but psychologically, what really is happening is you're turned in. It's not, you're not turned out. There's not something, something or someone outside. You've just gotten into your own knowing. The closer you are to your knowing, the easier it is to accept the pace of life, right? Because there is a pace of life. And that's why the philosophy of life is very important to understand. Mm -hmm. The more you understand the philosophy and the understanding of life, easier you can lean into the pace of life must always be congruent to the philosophy of life. And if it is, there is no place to get to. There's a famous quote, and I might butcher the quote, but the quote goes something by Alan Watts. And he says something to tune on. Tune off, life is like a dance. You don't do the dance so it can end one time. You do the dance because dance is fun, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of how life is. You don't live the life, you don't set the goals so you can get the goals. The idea of setting goals is to set yourself into a direction. That's the only purpose of goal. For the matter, it's always better to put a goal ahead of you that feels a little bit impossible. Like there's a 50% chance that you'll actually get it. And the reason for that is because it will make you something that would be so much more interesting than the goal itself. I'm going to give you a break to digest all this amazing information. And in this break, please like, comment, and subscribe. Thank you. There's a thing that I'm doing right now, and this is just to show how to dance with life and be patient with life a little bit more using different models, and there are many models to use. There's a dance that I'm doing with myself right now where I was was finding myself really comfortable because I'm a very patient person at this point. I've practiced a lot of knowing, so I feel like life becomes really easy for me. Like I, I don't struggle through life. I'm not stressed through life. I'm very 
comfortable with the pace of life while being wildly successful in my own right in every way. Like I've, you've met my wife, uh, two beautiful kids, mm -hmm. my family's really together. We really have a great time. We travel. My businesses do profoundly well. I get to serve thousands of people every year. So everything that I could have ever thought about that standards of life, I have a pretty good standard of life, especially yeah. for my age. I feel so blessed from where I come from too. So I'm so blessed. And I found myself going, because you're so blessed, are you starting to settle? Mm -hmm. Are you starting to say, you know what, this is great. Yeah. And then not chase something because, not because to chase, but because if I don't chase, the next version of me is never going to be available to me because I've settled, right? So I set myself to some crazy goals that are crazy for me. I'm not saying it's crazy for other people. It's mm -hmm. crazy for me, uh, which is I need to do 10 workouts in a week, mm -hmm. right? Five has to be outside, five has to be inside, which is a bit there needs to be at least a 10 mile run in the entire week, right? Over the entire week, I can't run 10 miles straight yet. It's a new thing, I've never ran actually. So, so it's two and a half mile per time I have to run at least, which is good for me. It's new skill, very hard for me. I'm tired of shit after that, mm -hmm. but it's good. It's new muscle yeah. I'm building, new discovery of self I'm doing. Oh, like, wow, I got tired and I, you know, I still was able to push through that bloody thing. It's a small run for a lot of people. It's huge for me. Uh, to be able to eat certain amount of protein, to be able to reach out to two people, three people every single day. Very difficult for me. I'm very, very, uh, because of the comfort I've built around myself, I'm very comfortable if I'm like, I just talk to my five friends and I'm good. <laughs> like I yeah. don't need more connections. I'm very connected with them. But I was like, am I settling? Is yeah. this me just not finding the next version of me that is a connected soul with the larger universe? And so, Two people every every single day, two new people. I must reach out, I must connect, I must bond with, I must discover who they are and they must discover who I am and like just build a relationship basically. And things like that. So I've set myself up to a whole challenge for the next 60 days so I can find a new version of me. So while yes, you need to get comfortable with the pace of life, you must also always discover the new version of life. So there is a sense of calmness while a sense of chaos and the dance of two, the yin and the yang at the same point of time is what creates the most beautiful life for any person really. Yeah. Where does this faith come in there of like having true faith that you can actually get that thing? Like, what, is that a big part of it? Is that even needed? Like, do you need to believe that you can actually accomplish the thing that you're going to set out to do? So to me, faith is important in your ability to chase and your ability to pursue something. The faith to say it will happen is your ego more than the faith, mm. right? It must happen is more you saying if it doesn't happen, you know, fuck universe <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. It doesn't need to, because here's, and again, you, we may disagree, but at least from my point of view, there is such a bigger plan at play that you can't even think about it. Like you, by you, I mean, I, me too. Like none of us can really go, like I can't really think a big enough future for myself yeah. that what might be for me available to yeah. me. So me saying that must happen, how egotistical, first of all, of saying that must happen. And secondly, how silly, because I would never find what is actually possible. So what I am attached to is, am I moving in a direction that is exciting, fun, better than where I am today? Do I feel like I'm moving in a path that is exciting? And I'm attached to that progress. Yeah. But the destination itself, I, I feel you don't need to have faith to it because it probably won't look exactly as how you think because the world is so, the universe has so many infinite capabilities 
that there's there's probably no way yeah. so for you, you to really yeah. see what it. What you're saying is pick a sense of direction, but don't settle on a destination. Yeah. In a way. Just like put the compass somewhere. Don't, don't fixate on the city you're going to. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's, I'd say purpose is like a compass. Purpose mm -hmm. is not a place to get to. Purpose is a place to find the direction of travel. So you go, oh, where, where is my compass of love and joy pointing? And that's my purpose most likely. Yeah. Right. That's what I need to walk towards, that I need to move towards. Yeah. And what the destination really is for me is ultimately death. <laughs> mm -hmm. But in the path, there might be many and they will change and they will evolve with what's happening around me and with me and what's the grander plan of the universe if there is one. Or if there is none, then let's lean into what's happening. And that's yeah. that's pretty much it. So it's, it's more of a surrender than faith, I would say. It's more of surrender than faith. Unpack that a bit. What do you mean by that? Surrender to what may be or mm -hmm. what is instead of trying to say that's the destination. That's where we need to go instead of saying there is a destination. But let's go and surrender to the experience of what is happening and really lean into it and see what happens and be open that it may be sometimes very agreeable to us and sometimes very unagreeable to us. But either on the circumstances, it should just keep us moving forward. Yeah. And that's all we really, really attach ourselves to. Did we move forward? Yeah, I want to go into like the, the harder part of the of the journey, like where you're tested, in the sense of like you you have an intention. You say, you know, okay, let's say I want to be a podcaster. I want to have a successful podcast, right? Mm -hmm. And you, let's say you've been a a year in and you still really want to do it. You enjoy doing it, mm -hmm. but you're not getting numbers. You're getting, you know, things are going well in some ways, but it's not it's not going in exactly what you want it to. Why do you think that's such a universal story? Why do you feel like most of us have that test? Mm -hmm. Why is that universal story for most of us to, to go through that experience of being initiated in a way? So this is not my quote. Somebody said it. I just heard it somewhere. Is when, when universe gives you a big bag or a baggage, don't ask why the bag's so heavy. Ask how could you have a stronger shoulder mm -hmm. or how could you have stronger shoulders? Yeah. And... I think that's beautifully summarizes the experience of having those difficulties. See, to get what you're eventually going to get or the direction that you eventually want to have or the success you eventually want to have is, is not a function of tactics. It's a function of beingness. Is there is a person that we become when we go through things. And I feel every time there's a hurdle, either made up or a real one, some hurdles are made up, like, oh, why am I not the number one podcast in the world? That's a hurdle you've created in your mind. It doesn't mean the quality of the podcast. It simply means you told yourself a story that you need to be number one podcast in the world. Yeah. And have you created that hurdle in your mind? It's not a true hurdle. Or there are hurdles in a life where somebody's really, uh, like, took away your money and ran yeah. away with it, right? So that's a real hurdle that actually happened. Either of the circumstances have been created so there is a version of you, a code in you, that needs to get unlocked. So that part of you just goes, oh, discovery, right? The problem is a lot of us, when shit happens like that, we quit, right? Even made up or real, right? We quit. So the version that is unlocking goes, oh, you don't need this, <laughs> right? But if you really go and sit in that suck, as my wife calls it, is mm -hmm. go, fuck it. I'm going to just sit with this. I'm going to see what happens, right? I'm going to let it fully unlock. There's a version of, almost I feel like there's a spiritual code that unlocks and you become something else. And that something else is required for that journey to be made further, right? I want to share an experience that's very recent to me. It just literally happened, right? 
And it it kind of is it, it suggests something like what you just said. It, it's it's an experience like that. So I speak on stages. I'm on podcasts, and I'm pretty good on stages. I get good ratings after the fact. I'm invited again and again. Um, so I did an event. Uh, it was a four hour event. I did it with my community. We got the ratings back. My score was nine point seven. I was like, great. I'm still on track. I'm still crushing it. Right. Mm-hmm. I go to another stage. I'm speaking in front of thousands of people. Their NPS is what we call it, or ratings, as you want to call it, comes back. It's three point eight out of five. Mm-hmm. That's not good. <laughs> that's yeah. that's okay. That you're like you're okay. You would probably you would probably not be invited back if you're three point eight. Uh, again, depending on the seminar, but I would think nobody would invite three point eight back. You want to be four point two to four point eight. You will very rarely somebody gets a five. But I was three point eight. That was like a gut punch. Yeah. I was like shit. I thought I was the stuff now. Like I've figured it out. I'm good at storytelling. I am. I am. Uh, you know. I'm crushing it. Like even when I was on stage, people were coming up to me, telling how much they loved it and how they be the, this exercise that I was talking about. Or somebody came in and said they saw their grandfather. Like it was like I was certain that that yeah. stage is inviting me back because I crushed it. Right. Ratings come back. Gut punch. Right. I have two things to do here. One could be I can say, oh, maybe I'm not ready for stages. Right. And I should not try to speak on stages, not other people's stages. Maybe my stages are good. Everybody else is not so good. And I should retreat. That's option one. And that is usually the option we take. Option two is, oof, what is there for me to learn here? I'm going to take that presentation. I'm going to review it. I'm going to find where I might have messed up, what I could do better to relate to the audience. How can I go and become a better version of a speaker? And so the next day what I do is I book two speaking gigs over the next two months. So I can double down on that presentation and make it so much better. But by the time I finish the two gigs, my rating comes back at 4.5. Yeah. Right. So there are two ways we can do the dance. I was I'm the bottom two speakers at the event that I just spoke. I'm in the bottom three or bottom two, something like that. It's like I'm not in the top three speakers. I'm at the bottom three speakers. Right. So I'm one of those where people are like, eh, let's not invite that guy again. Right. But to and I can simply say that means I'm a bad speaker. I can shy away or I can say there's universe telling me. There's a lot more to pick up, bro. You're not ready yet. Don't get cocky. Yeah. Right. And so, okay, let's go grind it out. Let's work. Let's book two more gigs, uh, non-paid, free. I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna speak, and let's see. Yeah. I'm ready for another gut punch if it comes. But what I know for certain is that the unlock that has happened in me just because of that is gonna make me a better speaker. It's gonna make me love more. Yeah. I think what you're what you're able to do there, which is tricky for me, maybe some people, is that. I think there's actually three three roads there, right? Either you, like, just take that obstacle as a chance to run away and say, I don't want to do this, or you go and, and course correct. For me, where, where it's a different route, route, or it's like, okay, how can you actually course correct without shaming yourself too much? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. how can you say, okay, I made this mistake, and you just you keep the ball rolling forward. You say, I'm not mm-hmm. going to think about it, dwell on it, I just have to keep moving forward. How can we actually do that? Because when, when I make, when I fuck up, when something like that happens, mm. I keep going forward, but my body, my mind is still stuck in critic, critic, criticizing myself from the past. Mm. You know what I'm saying? How can mm. we actually, and what I assume you do, how can we actually make those corrections mm-hmm. while in forward motion and not mm-hmm. like hating ourselves for that thing? So, so it depends on how you've wired yourself until now. And you may need a little bit re- rewiring. And that's true for a lot of us in different circumstances, right? We all do this beating ourselves up in different ways in different areas of our life. 
But the wiring that you want to check is whenever that happens for you, you go, okay, what is my default? Why am I going back into that state? And what is it that I need to set up as my new narrative? See, like any habit, our brain is always capable of rewiring itself to find a new way of operating in a particular circumstance. So say, for example, if at a time when you beat yourself up, if you pause for a second, if you give your mind a break, a mental break, right? And you go, okay, breathe. Is this thought helpful or hurtful? Mm -hmm. Most default answer would be, this is a hurtful thought. It's not helping me anyways, right? Doing it enough times, it sounds like a super easy trick, but doing it enough times, you suddenly stop having that thought because you know it's a hurtful thought, right? Because there, there are two paths in our brain, right? One path always wants to keep us safe. That will criticize you. That path wants to say, don't do the shit that you're doing. So it'll keep criticizing you so you stop doing because growth is painful, mm -hmm. right? That's the part of the brain that is our default, right? But the beauty is that all of us have been blessed with a brain, especially in, as you grow up as an adult, where you can take over this default and you can actually consciously change your mind. So there's unconscious change and unconscious action that happens all the time. But if you consciously put a layer of an afterthought, you would start to change your mind again, right? So for example, by, by simply saying, it's like also in martial arts, it's a very common move. It's like, don't try to go and fight the move. I was talking to a friend, he was I don't know much about jiu-jitsu, but mm -hmm. this is what they said. If somebody chokeholds you in jiu-jitsu, there's no way that you will get chokehold. The only way to get out of it is to surrender, put your nose down, breathe, and then get out of it under, Yeah. right? The key there, he was like, is to be able to have the presence to stop and breathe. If you do that, you're out. If you can't do that, you're choked, right? So the presence that we require in moments like that or situations like that or default settings that we all have like that is to say, can I pause? Give my mind a question so it challenges the thought that it is believing to be true and then ask a different question and move it into a different direction. You do it enough times and your brain is wired to ask that question. The more your brain is wired to ask that question, the faster it is for you to recover out of it. Now this is with practice though, and this is what coaching is all about. Yeah. This is where coaching comes in. This is what therapy doesn't do for you. Yeah. This is what coaching does for you because it doesn't let you sit and dwell in the past and say, tell me more about what happened. Tell me more about what happened. It says, I get it, something happened. Let's talk about what can happen now. What can I do now? Yeah, I'm in that journey. I think I, I spent years in therapy because I was unconscious. I was just in my shadow all the time. I didn't know why things were occurring. And this past year, I'm now at a space where I'm like, I've, I've cleared most of that stuff from the past. I'm aware of it. Now I just want to create a new a new version of myself, a new way I can just fully let go of that and mm -hmm. move forward. So you're really speaking to what I'm going through now, which is like um, having that where certain thoughts come up and be like, no, you know, that, that's course correct. But... It, it's tough because, you know, it's at, at first, you know, now I'm, I'm more into it's easier, but at first, why I think people crash quickly is that, you know, you're, it's, a, it's, a, you're, it's a tough battle at first. You're, you're fighting against 10, 15 punches in a row to one thought. It's like this, it feels like you're fighting yourself. Is there a way to do it where it doesn't feel like you're fighting yourself in a way? Mm -hmm. Where you're not like battling against some side of yourself? Is there a way to do it more compassion or, or a way where it doesn't feel as like, as like you're punching against yourself? Why do you feel it? It's like punching against ourselves. Tell me a little bit more. Maybe I'm yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think if my, my, my experience may not be universal, mm. where it feels like I feel like this side of me that's mm. bringing me down isn't me in a way. It's me, mm. but it feels like, what the fuck? It's like, mm. you know, what the hell is this guy saying? It's more like okay, I'm so disidentified by it. Mm -hmm. I look at it, I'm like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, so it's it's more so like this maybe this shame in a way of like, you know, why is this shit still happening? Why am I still thinking this way? Mm. So, so I, I see what's happening. So it's uh, it's actually a 
therapist who suggested a be beautiful suggestion that I want to bring forward here. Uh, it's it's not you don't have to go into therapy for it, but it's it's a model that comes from uh, a therapist. The model is called internal family systems. Yeah. Uh, if you want to learn more about it, the book's called No Bad Parts or something like that. Um, and basically, what he addresses, and we all may have found versions of ourselves and ourselves in different points of time. But what he suggests is that there's many different parts that sit within the one version of us, right? And the different parts show up in different circumstances because they are the most uh, capable of responding to that situation. Mm. Or the brain or the mind thinks that that is the most capable part of that mind to resolve that particular situation. Yeah. Now, when it becomes extreme, you become bipolar. But most of us are not bipolar. We are we're just in the or schizophrenic. Uh, most of us are so the the divergence so little that you wouldn't think it's a different personality. Yeah, my, mine, mine's, mine's yeah. like that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so if that's I mean, yeah. if that's the case, you you do you may even need medication. I I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I'm just saying like that's why. But it, it may feel, feel like yeah. to you yeah. that it's that, yeah. but it's it's not really that. What simply is happening is there's parts of you that were built because of circumstances in your life as the best protector that could be created for yeah. that version. Let me give you a very simple example. There's two parts of me that I know are very dominant, right? One part I call Ajit, the other part I call AJ. Even my my wife calls me AJ when this part shows up. Do you dress yourself my, as AJ sometimes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, even my team calls me AJ sometimes, <laughs> right? And here's the reason why. Because Ajit is this kind, very nice, very docile guy. Like he's chill, he's very gentle, he's not abrasive or anything like that. And then... Some of the times, a lot of the times, especially when it comes to business, when I need to put my business hat on, I'm AJ. I'm pragmatic. I'm straightforward. I'm not trying to coach you. I'm going to tell you what needs to happen. We're going to talk, but we're going to discuss. And I know exactly what my standpoint is going to be. My boundaries are so strong. Like I'm clear of what exactly what I want, what I'm not, not what I don't want. Whereas Ajit doesn't have all that shit. Like he has boundaries, but they're very negotiable. They're easy. They're playful. They don't really like it's it's a much gentler person. And that's my day to day life. Yeah. But the moment business comes in, AJ usually shows up. Anytime when I'm doing something really difficult, AJ shows up because the strength that it requires to deliver to that is a different kind of not strength, but certainty that is required is a different kind of certainty that AJ has versus the certainty that Ajit has. Ajit is more in bliss of life and would let life flow. And AJ, AJ is someone who knows certainly this needs to happen next, Yeah. right? But they, they know when they need to show up and I know when they show up. And it's perfectly okay for either of them to show up because they have their own unique powers. What shouldn't happen is AJ shouldn't show up at my house when I'm with my kids, Yeah. right? And that I need to check, right? That's the part where I go, oh no, this is that's not me. And you can correct that. You yeah. don't have to shame yourself for it. You don't have to feel like you've done something wrong for yeah. it, you simply go, oh, AJ showed up. There's even a time where, and, and we do it even now, me and my wife, uh, because of, we all have different personalities within us, we made it a game at a point, right? And to to enhance our love relationship is we would, this was when we just started dating. We still do it sometimes, not as frequently as, as we, we could. Now we have two very young kids, so it's a little bit more difficult. But we would go and we'll be like, hey, tonight you're meeting uh, Miguel who's Miguel, like Miguel, you're going to meet Miguel at the bar. And that was just basically saying, I'm going to show up with a different persona who may be a little bit robustious, who's maybe, uh, you know, has uh, is wearing a very bold jacket or whatever, but basically to make it fun, to honor that there are personalities in you and that you can be all of it and you can control which part needs to take charge. 
Yeah. Uh, there's a whole therapeutic model to be able to do that. In case it's feeling really extreme, you should definitely check out no bad parts. Yeah. But for individuals where it's not that, for me, it's not that extreme. It shows up. I know what it, what is happening right now, and I can deal with it fairly easily. I don't have to go into um, really uh, I've forgiven parts of me that were that were really. You can say torturing me in a way where I felt like, oh, this is really like crunchy yeah. and I really don't want this part to take over ever. Uh, I, I've forgiven them and I've built a relationship with them where if they ever show up, I know they're showing up and I know yeah. how to work with it. Yeah. Uh, but those were very few. And I, I felt like I, I have uh, not under control, but I have a partnership with them that they are not allowed to take over. Yeah. Because I don't like those parts yeah. and I don't, uh, they, they, they were relevant at a time. And when times get tough, they do feel relevant in that moment. But I know the consequences that would happen because of them are not something I want in my life. So I've negotiated that with them. Yeah, I, I've done some of that work. So I actually am, I am diagnosed bipolar. I've, okay. I don't know if I fully like believe with that, the box of it, but I'm that person where it's like, where it's really hmm. like that for me as a kid, it was, I only got love for being a function like like being a certain side of me so mm. it was like is this i always had to put on this like extreme performance mm. to be something outside of me which was this this like extreme version of me mm. and then i get so exhausted by that eventually that i just feel like this like dead mm. person mm. who just was depressed and exhausted so for me it's like those two sides of me are like super so for me it's hard for me to say that i can you know go from those extremes it's, it's hard for me you know if i'm working on something intense you know that that side of me can come out, but if it does, it's like I know that it'll be here. So it's that's been a, a journey for me, just trying like 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 balance them. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's my journey. But I want to I want to segue now into the last portion to talk about you know relationships. So I met your wife; she seems incredibly happy. So you must be doing a good a good job. <laughs> what are you, what are some of your takeaways of what makes a successful relationship? I think the foundation of a great relationship is an alignment of values. Um, or alignment of direction of life in a way. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's what really makes relationship. What what I, I I was I was in partnership with someone for a long time, and Sunita is my kind of second wife in a way. Um, the the lessons I learned in my early relationships was they're usually or I was setting them up usually based on standards of the of the person at the time. Mm-hmm. What that doesn't account for is that any person that I would really be attracted to would always be growing, right? Which means what is the standard today may not be the standard six months from now or a year from now, right? And that's the kind of partner I wanted. I I only wanted a person that would not be the same every single year, every year for the rest of my life. I wanted someone that I can grow with, that could be a true partnership where I go, they're growing and I'm growing. And I think all of us desire some version of that because otherwise it will feel really mundane as a relationship. And because of that, what what I never accounted for until much later, until I found Nita really, is that I was never accounting for that the person is going to change. I was always deciding that the person that I see is the person that I like, right? And so I like them, so I will date them. But then I recognized that there's no way for me to really predict what this person is going to be if they're going to keep growing. So what can I really hold on to is the essence of the person, right? What is the essence? What's the found core belief mm. that they operate from as a human being, right? Not something that is a belief around a topic, but belief of life, right? Which essentially reflects in values. It's usually essentially because this is the foundation of value. This is the direction of life. Like this is what I want. Or this is what I think about the world. This is my worldview. This is what I want to create. Right? So there is a sense of direction, sense of goal, 
sense of uh, value. And the more I understood that, the easier it was for me to say, okay, I can hold on to that value because I know foundationally that's who they are. Yeah. Right. And and even if they grow further from here, it'll be in the direction while maintaining certain values that will yeah. stay true to them. Yeah. Is there ever a, because in my experience, I completely agree. It's, um, it feels good to hear you say that. My experience, to add maybe like a counter argument to it, is that I, I luckily enough, my ex-girlfriend, I fell, I fell in love with her essence. I, I knew that. But her reality got so far away from what I wanted, mm-hmm. even though her essence was there, that I couldn't, I couldn't make it work. So I'm saying, is there ever a time where it's like you, the, the essence is still there, but they're going on a journey that's so far away from what your life wants that it's... How do you manage that like in, in either of you where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you love each other's essence, but like how do you talk to each other in a way where like maybe one decision is, is too much for you guys to, mm-hmm. to handle? How do you go about that? So, so there are two parts to that answer. The first part is once you know the essences of each other and there is a journey that has to be made, one must understand that the journey must be in partnership and constant communication as the life progresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it needs to kind of have their own selves being developed, not this being developed. Okay. There is a little bit of a sense of this, but it's not complete. Like they can't be too intertwined with each other. If they're too intertwined with each other, they will all they will tend to have more conflicts than more joys, right? So they need to still have their own sense of self. Mm-hmm. And then there is some some intertwining, of course, because you're, you're together with a person. So that understanding and that communication needs to be constant. So even if somebody's going to about to go to far end in one dimension, overall, you're still moving together, right? And there is an acceptance that needs to happen if somebody needs to go on a far end of something for you to see how comfortable that is. If you're in constant communication, you can go, hey, listen, this feels comfortable. This doesn't feel comfortable. Can we find what's the path that is comfortable for both? which is usually what a reasonable relationship will look like. Just say, okay, you want to do all that. Here's my understanding of it. What's your understanding of it? What do I need as time to be able to accept that new reality? Are you willing to give me that time? Is that okay for me to have that time? Because you can't hold anyone down. That's not possible, right? But till the time you're having that conversation, what tends to happen is you can go, uh, what tends to happen is that the person that may be going far off you may find either a bridge to still accept them that way, mm-hmm. or they may realize they don't want to go that far off. Yeah. Either of those things could happen, and so your relationship is still salvaged. Now, there will be certain circumstances and parts in life where, despite all the efforts, all the communication, you will grow distant. And that means that maybe you're not the partner anymore. Yeah. Here's the, here's the default thinking that we have about relationships, and everybody has that because that's how traditional relationships are, is that relationships value is defined by the time it is together. And I think it is more important to the quality of relationship than the time spent together. Because the time spent only defines that you are willing to accept a lot more things about each other in some way. Right. It doesn't mean you loved each other more. It could be that you loved each other more. It mean it could mean that your quality was the highest quality of relationship possible, but it's not a default. It's not like because you had more time meant you had better quality of relationship. Yeah. It simply means you were willing to, you know, ignore each other a lot more or accept each other a lot more or just completely be like, Yeah, whatever. And that's what thirty, forty percent of relationships are, maybe even fifty percent of relationships are where people just are there together, but they don't love each other anymore. Yeah. They're just there because of the kids. They're there because it's too expensive to be by yourself or whatever the story might be, because of society, whatever the story is. But that's kind of why people are together. They're not together because they love each other anymore. So 
to me, it's better that you you let go of a relationship if this is not anymore yeah. incongruent with what you are and who you are and where you need to go. And that's perfectly okay. How do you? What's the best way to keep the fire alive? Fire is wrong, the wrong word, but like a deep sense of love. What to rephrase? Yeah. What are like some of the key ways that that can go away? Mm-hmm. And what are what are things you do to keep it there? So the the way to really there are many ways to go away, mm-hmm. uh, and and it, it could happen in many different ways. It could be because attraction goes away. It could be because growth stops. It could be because of kids. It could be many different things. But what I found to be true essentially is you need to ask yourself three levels of creating uh, love at all all times, right? There is the spiritual love, psychological love, and biological love, right? So uh, pretty easy, straightforward. Are you aligned in your spirit? Which means, are you, are you, do you know where your purposes are? What's your highest calling? Are you supporting each other in that highest calling? Whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. It could be with the kids. It could be with, uh, with just career. It could be anything. Yeah. What is your highest calling? Do you understand it? Do you have a common spirituality around it where you have a sense of knowing towards each other? And understanding towards it. Psychologically, it's about communication. It's about, are you present when your partner is there? Right? Are you on the phone? Are you actually talking to the person, looking in their eyes and really being present in that conversation with them? And you're making a conscious effort that that happens every single day. Mm-hmm. And third is biological, which is as valuable as the other two. And sometimes people ignore it because they think, oh, with the age, sex is not important. Are you having sex? And you're having it frequently enough. Because if you're not, biologically, you don't bond. And the right kind of hormones are not released. And because of that, you can lose relationship as well. So you, you need to have frequent sex or sexual, if not sex in the sense that it doesn't have to penetrative sex, it could be just sex in the sense of like enjoying each other's body, uh, hugging for a long time and doing whatever that is that is required for you to enjoy each other. Uh, second is psychological and third is spiritual. Yeah. And essentially what will happen with all of this is because you want to stay attractive in all three ways to your partner is that you will always stay as an attractive person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when you're an attractive person, it's very hard to let go of somebody who is like more attractive every day. Yeah. Like my wife is more attractive to me every yeah. single day. Yeah. And she says the same that I am yeah. for her physically, intellectually, spiritually. Great. There's yeah. no reason for us to lose a relationship like that. Yeah, for sure. So so intelligently put, what I would add to is an ability to have tough conversations about how you guys, maybe not you guys, but people in general might be coming up short in those ways, like being very real, being like, hey, you know, I'm seeing this in us and I don't like it. It's like, I think, well, actually, my explanation of why relationships don't last is people don't want to go there. Mm. They just like, they, they unconsciously just can't go there. So they just leave it up in the air. And then over time, it just compounds and they stop having sex. They, they just stop talking to each other. They just live in the same house. Like it's having tough conversations. Is, That's is a big a, part of it. Is That's it, a big part. Yeah. Tough, tough conversations are hard to do, but if you're bonding psychologically, there's no way you would avoid a strong, a difficult conversation. You just lean into it. Like it's not a difficult, a difficult conversation is only difficult because you make it difficult. Exactly. It's not a difficult conversation per se. Yeah, I'll tell people like, I'm not gonna, I don't, there's a difference between argument and a conversation for sure. Like I'll I'll tell people, I'm not gonna argue with my girlfriend or someone I'm with, I'll I'll talk to them. You know, the the, the argument is a choice two people make to blow up a conversation because their egos are in resistance. So it's a, it's a, are you able to do that well? Just like, Make sure it's a it's a calm conversation. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Like we and we we bring it up and we take help as well in yeah. case we feel like the conversations just so we are not able to find a bridge, yeah. which does happen. Uh, then we would hire a coach or a therapist to come in the middle and facilitate a dialogue because 
even you could be the best coach, the best teacher, best therapist. Sometimes you're saying something and the other person is not able to hear it or they're saying something and you're not able to hear it, not because of anything else, but just the meaning you're making. You need a bridge question, a bridge dialogue, a bridge understanding that only somebody who's looking from the outside can tell you what's happening. Yeah. There's an experiment that was done with uh, Chicago couples who were married over 10 years. Uh, they took, I think, like 100-some couples and got them to rate how satisfied with their relationship they were. And they were like 10, like completely dissatisfied. They took 100 of those couples, divided into two groups, 50 or 50. Group A was told to write journal their disagreements and dissatisfactions for 21 days. So they were journaling, which is a great practice, right? You get all your thoughts out on the paper. Sounds fantastic. You're like, write it down. Write down exactly what you're feeling, how you're experiencing this. Write it down. 21 days. Group B was said, you write down what's happening, but don't write down what you're experiencing. Write down what's happening. Mm -hmm. Like a third person. Like if, as if you're watching a movie. Write down as an event. So you're writing both the sides. You're watching as if, like you're writing a story. You're not writing, you're internalizing it, right? After 21 days, they did the same survey with both the groups. Group A, completely dissatisfied still with their relationship. Group B, zero dissatisfaction. They were completely satisfied with their relationship. Because sometimes, if we just take an outside perspective, we will see what happened completely different. Yeah. And that's why sometimes you need an outside perspective. Yeah. Even because you can't do it. Like you yeah. want to, and you know, like I know intellectually that's what I should do. I can't do it. I am stuck in that mold. I need somebody to come in and help me get out of my own head yeah. and look at it from the point of view, which is a point of view, yeah. and that's it. And that would resolve so many of our difficult conversations. Yeah. The good thing is between me and Nita, because we are, I feel like we're at a consciousness level where we can bring up the most difficult, like things that people think are so difficult to talk to are so easy for me, that, me and Nita to talk to. Yeah. Because we know, again, at the core of it, who we are, so we don't we don't go, oh, I know she's trying to be evil. That's never the thought. It's like, this is a difficult moment. Yeah. I need to talk about it, yeah. right? And I can fully express, she can fully express. We can even say what we want the other person want to show up as. For example, if there's a heated emotion, I might go, Nita, I just need to express this emotion. So I don't need to resolve. I don't need you to do anything. It's just, I want to say it. I want to vent it. Can I do it? She will go, yeah, go for it. And she would be present and available to me. I would do the same for her. And once we're done, it's released. And now we can talk. Yeah. Right. So it's easy. Yeah, for sure. To wrap this up and bring it back to the beginning of the theme is that the uh, point you touched upon there is the power of perspective from an external source in shaking up our own subjective illusions of what we create, especially in relationships and the power of coaching itself, of just hearing a different voice, the perspective of saying, of keep of taking us away from our own biased tracks of everything that's going on, which is a super powerful thing that we get so cocky as human beings in doing, that we think we know best, we think we got it, we think we're doing everything amazingly. And sometimes it just takes one idea from someone else to make us realize, like, oh, I'm not doing that correct. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you very much for, for coming on the show. Thank you so much I for having me. I appreciate it. Cheers, man. <laughs>